1: Good afternoon, Chelsea fans, and welcome to our latest Blue Is The Colour podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Marshall Bailey, Football uh, Football London editor. We've got our Chelsea writer Ollie Harbord with us this afternoon. Hello, hi, Ollie, uh, and we've also got Kev Byrne, who is our digital features and transfers editor. That is a title, isn't it, Kev? That is a title. Now. That is a title. Um, that doesn't seem to be any better place than to start than with what was an absolutely brilliant performance on Saturday. Um Chelsea were were ruthless, Arsenal were as bad as probably they've ever been at Stamford Bridge, particularly in the second half. Uh Ollie just want to just cele- celebrate how how brilliant <laughs> Chelsea were. Well, it's
2: just it was just the perfect performance really. I mean, uh they knew that obviously Arsenal were going to have to come and and go and win the game if they had any chance of get, keeping the sort of Premier League title race. And Chelsea just blew them out of the water with what they've been doing so well over the last few months, really. Just great attacking football. I mean, Eddie Hazard will come on to him later, I'm sure. But just all over the park, they just wanted it more. They battled more. I mean, obviously a lot, some controversy over the Alonso goal, but at the end of the day, I just felt it was sort of summed up the match. Alonso just wanted the wanted the ball more obviously it was, you know, nobody wants to see a, um, sort of a player get hit on the head like Bellerin did and it was a shame to see him go off the pitch but it was just a fantastic dis- display and, and the guys in the middle of the park can say just incredible once again just bossing the game um, making Coquelin look like a championship player and and even maybe even lower league standards, um, but uh <laughs> But it just was a, a fantastic performance, and uh, you know it's it's taken Arsenal now. You have to say out the, out the race, and you know it was a uh, the perfect perfect day for Conte.
1: One of our colleagues, Kev Richard Beach, wrote yesterday about why Angolo Kante is his favourite footballer in the world at the moment. Yeah, he uh, he was pretty good again on Saturday, <laughs> wasn't he? It, it, even by his standards, so the the tackling. The, the yards he, ma- he he made up on the pitch, he was everywhere, and and Arsenal couldn't live with him.
0: He's got a habit of playing very well in a lot of matches. Uh, it's almost like he's a very good player. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny it's, that isn't it? It's, it's weird how that keeps happening. Um, no, he's I, I, it's it's hard to to say anything about him that hasn't been said already. He, he's player. He's the signing of the season two years in a row now. He's going to win two leagues in a row and have earned both of them which I can't think of anyone maybe Cantona back in the early 90s uh, would have done that with Leeds and United but it's hard to think of anyone else like I know um, I can't remember, was it who did it as a, as a backup goalkeeper with two different clubs yeah, um, yeah. but he didn't play a minute like Canty's, not only has he been playing in these teams he's been the driving force of these teams he's
1: well, he's, he's unbelievable. Look at look at Leicester's demise at the moment. Mm. I mean, <laughs> well, so, this... Sunday, Sunday for them felt like relegation could. It's like all of a sudden it's just finally dawned on them that hang on a second, this this could happen. And when you look at that Leicester eleven, the only the only thing that's been withdrawn from it is Kante he, He's the you know the the player that they are clearly missing and clearly got the best out of drink water which in turn got the best out of Vardy he, he is so crucial mm. to what Chelsea are doing right now
2: I think if you look at the way he plays as well is where he wins the ball if you see he wins the ball sometimes so high up the pitch that when you know a team like Arsenal who want to play out from the back they want to get it into the feet of Coquelin or Oxley chamberlain at the time and spread the ball out he's just always there and then he's got Matic behind him as well that sort of gives him that extra bit of protection if they do manage to get it round him which wasn't very often at the weekend yeah. and it's just he, he wins it there and gets them going and I know Conte said the one thing he needs to do now is that next ball when he does win the ball there were times on Saturday that he maybe turned back when when that through ball, that killer ball yeah. that, you know, uh, uh, Seth Fabregas might play to get the team going forward again. Kante's not that sort of player, but he could be. And I think that's what Kante's going to work on him now. And that's the one thing, maybe, that will take him to the next step of being just a world-class midfielder, because he's he's not far behind.
0: Um, I, I think one big difference between Kante and the rest of that Leicester team is just on a very basic level, the desire that he has mm. with Absolutely. everything. gives a 100% all the time. And, you know, that Leicester did an incredible thing last year. They played well beyond their means. As a team, everyone knows that. And we knew that coming into this season. Uh, I think everyone did. I, there was no pretension that Leicester were going to challenge for the title again. But just the way that some of those players are playing and... They look like they're looking for Kante on that pitch in my opinion they, they do and Kante, having moved on to Chelsea so quickly he's not sitting there going, oh I've won, my, I've won my league I've got my title, this is great he's hungry for the next step and I think that's the big difference between him and Vardy who you know, turned down Arsenal this summer and I am glad that he did but I think <laughs> it was a terrible decision on his part um, and I wrote something asking him not to join Arsenal at the time, <laughs> uh, in which I told him to stay in Leicester and become a Leicester legend because I didn't want him in Arsenal. But you know, I, th- I think it it shows that little bit, and and at this level of professional sport, that little bit of desire can be the difference sometimes. And Kante just has it. He just he seems like someone who's. He doesn't get too down when it's going poorly and he doesn't get too elated when it's going well. He kinda just rolls with whatever's happening at that exact moment. And that's exactly what you need to be at the top. Yeah, and I think as as well,
2: obviously you know, the move to Chelsea, there's money involved, obviously, there was he was gonna get a big boost from that. But I think yeah. he also highlight you know, knew the fact that he sacrificed one year of Champions League football to then maybe go on and play another five, six years of Champions League football, whatever happens. Yeah, I think that was a shrewd move on his part to yeah. to see that move, to know that right lot of It was absolutely Leicester, what he did with Leicester, absolutely superb. Nobody can take that away from them, but he knew that it wasn't probably never gonna happen again. And he has to sacrifice this one year of Champions League football and then now he can he can go and play Champions yeah, League football uh, for the rest of his career. Right? Not,
0: and also you, you mentioned the money and I'm not trying to, you know, say anything negative towards me. In, in relative terms of how much footballers are paid is a different discussion, but within the footballing community, he deserves it. Mm. And he moved at a time when his stock is higher than it's ever going to be. Even if he'd stayed at Leicester and still played brilliantly, and they came I don't know, eighth, he still he wouldn't have got half the money that he was he would get mm. in the summer just passed. So it was just the right move in every aspect for him.
1: Before this becomes a <laughs> half an hour long tribute to Kante, I think it'd be only be right to move on to someone who, if well, if Kante was brilliant, then then this man was perfect, and that that was Eden Hazard, Ollie. Um, you were at Stamford Bridge the other day for us. How how good, how good was that was that performance?
2: Well, I gave it a ten in my player ratings because I just couldn't see any fault in it whatsoever. Yeah. Because it was one of those performances that that players sort of sometimes have, a player like Hazard, a player you know, with the skill and ability, that wherever on the pitch he picked up the ball, you were just instantly on the edge of your seat because you just knew that something was going to happen. There were times that he picked up the ball in his own box and I remember one time, he, I think the ball dropped to him and he just saw this little space in his own box and just burst through and just went on and got Chelsea on the attack. And It was just one of those performances that that really was just fantastic to just sit back and watch it to be honest and then obviously the goal no, just it, it off, well, it it. just topped it off to win the ball off Kosciani and then to to sort of uh, hold off Coquelin and then you know just to, to beat Kosciani again just to rub it in his face and then put it over for check. it was just it was just an incredible goal really and a fantastic one to watch and it was just one of those performances that you just knew he just really had it and it was quite an, quite an important one for him I thought because it against Hull and against Liverpool especially he was against Liverpool he was very very quiet it was yeah. a different sort of game they didn't have a lot of the ball but he was very quiet and there were some you know a, a few people saying well maybe just give him a little bit of a rest but he's just that was just a performance to show why you never rested he's just that good a player that even if he has a couple of off
0: games one game is just going to be spectacular and Saturday was definitely it well, you, you said that Kante made Karkalan look like a championship player and look like he's playing against him when Hazard ran through the Arsenal defense. It like it literally. It looked like a dad playing with his <laughs> toddlers. Like they just didn't know what was
1: happening. Just in a day, mm. weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. it's
0: just. It, it was. I've seen that happen in professional sports maybe five times in my life. Like that was. It was. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Like even. Like as an Arsenal fan it was embarrassing, but even just as a human being
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was humiliating to sit there and watch this happen to someone in front of thousands of people and being broadcast to millions like mm. he just he just I, I think like legally he owns them now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the 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 what Conte
2: is getting out of him out of him as well is and he spoke about it after the game was his work off the ball, which is you know, Hazard's not known for his work off the ball. It's it's always been the biggest criticism. Mm, absolutely, but but especially when he's playing on that left hand side and he plays right from the dugout and Stamford Bridge, Conte's just not letting him stop at all. And he's working. Comp- I think he gets a bit of a break when he's on the other side. Of the pitch <laughs> and he doesn't have Conte in his ear, but yeah. but it's just adding to his game that a little bit more, and he's working a little bit harder. And I think he's just he's sort of just showing how how good he can be. Just
1: on that. Um, two factors I I guess in the game itself on on Saturday obviously Bellerin's injury was huge because Gabriel is the epitome of a centre half playing at right back Mm. and obviously Arsenal therefore had no attacking outlets and maybe that freed him up but also the change in formation it's an interesting point you make that Marcos Alonso being primarily defensive minded and obviously there's such a great balance between him and Moses on the opposite flank do you think that's possibly been one of the reasons behind Hazard's kind of increased defensive awareness I guess?
2: Yeah I guess so I mean I think it's just the way Conte likes his players to be as well just that style of of he's got to work as hard as possible down that left flank as well I mean it's quite an interesting one actually with Alonso he's a uh, you know, obviously he was there for, he was he gets himself and he's getting himself in these situations now. You saw at Leicester obviously the couple of goals he scored at Leicester. And actually I think if you look at the Hazard goal, the one player who was closest to him at the time when Hazard went and scored was Alonso getting into the box and, and maybe there to, to get the scraps if if Czech had saved it or he'd bounced off the post, whatever might have happened, and he was there for that. And I think they they're forming a, a good partnership down that left hand side. Um, you know, Alonso is more defensive minded than Moses. Just his, his background, but I think uh, he's, he's he's showing uh, that he can he can get on that attack as well, which is quite interesting.
1: And this title race is becoming—if it ha- if it wasn't already before Saturday, it's it's become a bit of a procession now, hasn't it? I mean, like we we we've jotted down the fixtures and had a look, and feasibly by the time Manchester City arrive at Stamford Bridge on April the fifth, this title could already be wrapped up. It
0: should be wrapped up. Like, that's. If Chelsea are as good as they say they are, they should have the title wrapped up by then. Maybe not mathematically, but, like, you know, in, in all the name. Um, they're just so far ahead of everyone. They don't have any Champions League football to worry about. They're still in the FA Cup, but, you know, they're playing Wolves who shouldn't give them too much fuss. Uh, then they get the semi finals, but by that stage, you know, they should have the league tied up. Pretty easily, and um, they don't have
1: big games coming up. They obviously no European commitments, so yeah, that's obviously a I massive you, advantage. You probably have to
2: say actually how the run of the next six games leading up to that city. You'd say this weekend is probably their toughest: Burnley at Burnley. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. look at, I mean, Burnley have got the third best record in the Premier League at home, yeah, yeah. only Chelsea and Spurs ahead of them. So and, you know, and
0: Chelsea are coming off the high of the Arsenal.
1: Mm
2: yeah so is that after the Lord Mayer show maintaining joking. that concentration yeah absolutely exactly. so you know if they can get through this weekend which I'm sure Conte will be talking about in his press conference about how big it is then they've got you know the likes of Swansea West Ham uh, Watford um, I've forgotten all the other ones off the top of my, Crystal Palace as well you know they've got those games and they've got the Wolves game as well and, and you know he's going to rest as uh, quite a few of his players obviously for that one but he's got good experience to come in to that Wolves game so if they can get past this weekend with a win even a draw maybe I mean they you still you've got to think it's theirs for the taking yeah. well
1: we we said on the podcast last week when Liam Toomey from ESPN FC was with us that if they still had a six point advantage mm. by the time the full time whistle went at <laughs> Stamford Bridge that would be it Yeah. now they've got a nine point advantage over Spurs at the moment City City a further point back then you're looking at Arsenal 12 points off, um, Liverpool, Manchester United further back. The, the talk since the game on Saturday, it almost felt like Chelsea swatted Arsenal's side, we've swatted them out of the title race. It, it's almost switched the attention now to Spurs and City. Mm. Which, which, if Gabriel Jesus doesn't score that late, late winner for City and Swansea on Sunday, then they would probably not be part of the equation either. But which of those two teams, if any, and by all means, both of you say, it, you know, I don't think either can compete, mm-hmm. but do you think either of those two teams has still got something to say in this title race?
2: Well, I would say out of the two, I'd be more worried about Spurs. Only because they obviously have the best defensive record in the Premier League, and they still have that unity and still got that.
1: But they're still Spursy.
2: But they, they still got the Spursy element of it. And I know they haven't been firing on all cylinders when going forward but you know you do have still the likes of Harry Kane you've got Deli Alley, you've got Christian Eriksen you've got Eric Lamella still to come back in so there is still that threat going forward City obviously you know the qualities they have up front and Gabriel Jesus just looks like an absolutely world class player in the making um, but defensively they've still got all the problems and you saw against Swansea you know as you say a very late goal that saved them and they've still got that worries at the back over Cavallero or Claudio Bravo or everything that's going on with them, so I would say that they probably, I'd say that they are probably, I wouldn't be quite as worried if I was Conte over them, but I still think Spurs. You just got to just got to be careful. You know what they're like. You know they might, <laughs> they, as you say, they they're still probably worried about coming ahead of Arsenal in the in the league, in the league rather than the actual championship, but they do have that organisation skills and if they do start firing up front then they could be a threat
1: Yeah, and also they've, they've got the closest goal difference to Chelsea yeah. they're obviously only four got I think mm. it's 34 and 30 which when you look at the other teams you, you begin to see a little bit of a gulf
2: yeah.
1: Kev what do you think do you think Spurs have got anything to say about it do you think City have got anything to say about it? obviously they are two clubs that have European commitments I know yeah. City come up against a Monaco team that are playing very well at the moment Spurs have got a bit of an easier ride against Ghent. You'd expect them to win that and progress further into that competition. I think for me personally, that's something that a lot of people talking about Spurs at the moment are forgetting is that their form was patchy earlier this season when they did have that Thursday, Sunday commitment, and that is going to return. Um, what do you think?
0: I think uh, historically the Europa League has been harder to deal with than the Champions League, even if the quality of opposition is worse. Playing on Thursday seems to affect teams a little bit more. I think also...
1: So what you're trying to say in short is that Chelsea are going to win the league. That's <laughs> that's where we're going uh, with Yeah, completely. But, like, <laughs> I, I, but,
0: uh, but if I was to be more afraid of one of those two teams, it would be Manchester City. Uh, Spurs don't have anyone in that team who's ever won anything. None of them, they completely bottomed it last year. And that's so obvious to see. and That's going to play in their minds. Yep. And like you said, they're going to be... They're looking over their shoulder at Arsenal the whole time. They're not looking ahead. They're not looking at trying to catch Chelsea. They say they are, but they're looking over their shoulder every two seconds to see if Arsenal are close or not. Whereas Man City, you know, Guardiola has won a lot of
1: tournaments. Could you could just be a bit of a juggernaut from now until the end of the season. They have they, they've picked so up so uh, yeah. many weapons. Yeah, they do. You,
0: It's terrifying. It's at, it's terrifying to see how good they can be. That West Ham game. Where they had everyone interchanging, they—it's—it's—it's it's, it's basically, you know, what Guardiola was brought to Manchester to do is to build a team like this. You're right, the defense isn't there. The defense needs work, and I don't think they'll catch Chelsea. But if I was to be more rude, I would be worried about the team who can outscore you five four rather than hold you to a one nil. I
1: think that's fair.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. fair. Although, I, yeah, I do. I just think that. As you say, he is building a team still, and I just don't see them catching. Them this I, I, year. I think for no, next year they're yeah. going to be an I'd, incredible force. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't think anyone's going to catch Chelsea no. this
0: year. I think,
1: you know, to put their name on the trophy and to give it to them. <laughs> well, that's. I, I mean, I think it's fair to be fairly presumptuous, but but obviously once that title wins in the bag, and that would be reflective of what Chelsea are like, you know. Yeah, and sorry, this, Jordan, this is
0: this is the core of the team that won the league quite recently exactly
1: and and you can you can imagine them just sauntering their way to the title and then that, right that's done focuses on A retaining it but also then another assault on the Champions League because um, it's going to be really interesting to see next season having European football the signings they're going to make first and mm-hmm. foremost have been a few links recently obviously is one of those that's been linked quite heavily um, but also the formation as well. So, what do you think needs to happen at Chelsea this summer to ensure that they can sustain the incredible levels they've set this season?
2: Yeah, I think just boosting the squad is obviously is going to be his top priority because you know it is so much easier when you can go through a season and you only play one game a week, or you know he's going to play the odd two game a week, but not not that much. So, that's going to be the main thing. As far as the formation goes, I think it's worked so well that why would you change it really why would you look to change it I mean you know you you keep you keep the guys the players tactically aware of other times when in matches maybe it's not working and you see that you're getting exploited nobody at the moment in the Premier League is being able to do that they might next year play a bit more on the counter attack and sit back a little bit more and and hit teams which is something that Leicester obviously did so well last season in the Premier League and have done quite well in the Champions League as well this year Uh, but it hasn't worked out for them so well in the Premier League
1: um would you would you would you make any enhancements to that eleven? Because obviously they are they're cruising their way to the title at the moment. There have been a few question marks from fans about whether Gary Cahill fits into that bat free long term. Obviously Conte made it quite clear that he he wanted more defensive reinforcements. There have been links with Bonucci, obviously Virgil Van Dijk, um, am, amongst others. Do you think he's potentially one of those players that he might consider dispensable? Victor Moses, possibly?
2: Well, I'd say that Moses, yeah, is one that... He's been fantastic this season, he really has, but defensively, still there's a question mark over him, and I think Conte would probably most definitely want to bring somebody who is more right-wing-back material in the sense that they've played the formation more in their career. Um, With Cahill, I mean, I'm still a huge fan of Kurt Zouma, and I really am, and I think that... You know, he's coming back from injury now obviously this season he probably won't play that much but going into next year if he can stay fit if he doesn't have any more injury, worry, injury worries I really think he's a player that can push for that spot um, you know Louise and Azpilicueta have just been
1: superb Year to the day on Zuma
2: Yeah, year to the day uh, that Zuma picked up that injury and and to see him play Premier League football again at the weekend was great even if it was only a small one there was a nice little flash where he sort of played a nice little trick and, and got, far, got past a few players um, I, I I really like to but he will have to bring because obviously there's the thing about Terry as well whether he'll be there next year he's going on year by year contracts so there will be the reinforcement over the centre back and again as we talked about last week the midfield positions as well who knows if Fabregas is going to be there he's going to want to play more first team football which he might get the chance to if there's Champions League football as well but yeah, I think yeah. a move to Spain could quite easily be, be, a, be on the cards for him to be honest so there are definitely definitely positions they need to reinforce absolutely and and uh but formation wise I, I can't imagine you changing it what uh, do
1: you think do you think do you think it would work in europe this this formation obviously uh, a lot of people are employing it now
0: yeah well yeah it's something we were asked on twitter uh by carlanka you can ask us questions on twitter um, and <laughs> uh about whether or not the the three will work in europe i think it will do i think um you know, European football has always kind of lent itself well to flooding, flooding the midfield and working out from there um, it's a very European style of playing which is why it's working so well in the Premier League that's why you've seen so many Premier Leagues in the past uh, Premier League teams in the past struggle in Europe because they don't know how quite to adapt to this um, so I think going forward it could be very good um, I think the biggest roadblock for Chelsea next season is Conte himself, I think he needs to bring in some new players and ship out some other ones, if for no reason other than to stop the players getting bored of him. We've seen this group of players get bored of Mourinho. Uh, Good point. Conte is a very intense man. He's a very good
1: coach. He's showing with Ivanovic going, with Oscar going. I mean, these are hugely popular players, but at the same time, there's an I think there's an acceptance within the fan base that yes. Ivanovic had, has had a brilliant career with us but there have been performances this season where you think he's possibly over the hill here mm-hmm. Oscar, does he fit into into what Conte wants to do? Clearly not yeah. so and Mikel
2: yeah. as well was, wasn't really mentioned at all by Conte and then he's just next thing you know he's gone off to China as well So, well, so, so sure.
0: he, if everyone's accepting that who wants to tell them about Terry because he's been passive for a long time right? mm. um, he needs to he needs to go they need to get rid of him this summer.
1: He's showing signs, though, of that ruthless edge, and he's not—he's yeah. not allowing sentiment to rule over, you know, logic. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah but, but even he might even have to, you know, move on someone who might not seem like it makes sense to move on, just for the sake of sending a message to the rest of the team that no one's untouchable. He might see Costa move, just so that he can send a message.
1: Well the, li- the links with Morata really mm. it, it boils down to this whole discussion when you enter the transfer market of how can you convince a player that good to come in and say well you know you're going to have to play second fiddle to Diego Costa do you, do you think Costa might go this in the in the close season and if so do you think Morata would be the best person to bring in
2: I think it's a really tricky one about Costa because obviously as soon as the transfer window opens up again it's going to be talks about Costa and, and move to China if it's China, move back to Spain wherever it might be. I think he's that important you have to try and keep him and he's just so influential to to that team and the way they play as well. I know they've had some success playing the three up front as well with Pedro Hazard and William, but when Costa's not in the team, he's just the focal point of the team. I think he's a different style of player to Murata. I just think that I I, I don't know how well it will go down with Chelsea fans. I just I just like to see them maybe bring Lukaku back in. <laughs> I just I'm a, I, I just I don't quite understand the negativity surrounding Lukaku in in some ways. And I think Conte would make him into a player that well he tried to make him to a player who works hard for the team as well and leads from the front which is something that obviously Chelsea fans have not seen him in the past he's, he can be a bit of a sulker at times if he's not on the ball if he's not part of the team at times and I just think he'd work he would get him to work that little bit harder but I think they have to try and keep Costa. Over I,
0: I think uh, the best way I could describe Lukaku to someone who hasn't watched him uh, would be that if my team signed him I would be like oh for God's sake why and if someone else signed him I'd be like oh for God's sake why didn't we get him like he's just that kind of player absolutely
1: he's the top scorer he's, he's surpassed Diego Costa admittedly he scored four goals in one game but
2: and for his age he scored more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo I think he's only less than Messi and Neymar for his age at that time so he's just a goal scorer an actual, actual you know, proven proven goal scorer in, in the Premier well. League yeah absolutely yeah. and you know, if Chelsea do go for him, whatever club goes for him, they're going to have to pay big money for him. But yeah. it just might be worth
1: it. Just on the cons- Costa incident, something I wanted to touch on very quickly. I I, I find it absolutely amazing that there were these rumours that emerged. All of a sudden, a lot of people were going, ah, is this where Chelsea' season takes a little, you know, road bump?" And all of a sudden, they've got a massive issue they have to overcome. Like, it surely speaks. Very high volumes of Conte's mm-hmm. man management ability, the way he dealt with the press in terms of, you know, the constant line of questioning. Naturally, on Costa's behaviour, um, whether he's been a disruptive influence, how he's going to re- integrate into the team. Those kind of that speculation and conjectures just fizzled out completely. Like yeah, it, it's I mean, almost been glossed over. Yeah. Like it, it's just almost become like a complete sub-story to the season which, which is remarkable because it threatened to derail it to become a, a big part of what was happening at Chelsea and Conte's just gone okay it's a problem I can deal with that I can put it to bed and, and now it, it looks like you know Chelsea are just gonna as I say cruise to the title it, now.
0: it's very easy to sweep things under the rug when you're winning when you win you can set the narrative uh, and I think Arsenal fans will know this well that if you're winning, everything's fine. No one worries. The Costa thing was overblown. It was just a rumour. But if Chelsea had you know, lost to Liverpool, or if they had failed to get through to the next round of the FA Cup, I know that game wasn't close, but had it been? Had they lost in the FA Cup fourth round? That's when questions start to be asked, and that's something we haven't really seen with Conte at Chelsea yet. Because when he started off... There were some questions, but he's being given time. He's just brand new, he's just new to the Premier League. He's got a great track record. But let's give him time now. He's winning all the time, he, he's not getting questioned, and rightly so. He's proving that he knows how to do the job. But you know, over the summer, if this stuff starts to come up again, and then Chelsea have a slow start to in August, that's when you will see his ability to man manage.
2: Yeah, I think obviously the big thing is for Costa as well as he had that Leicester, the Leicester game, obviously, whereas all the controversy surrounding it, why he didn't travel with the team and, and everything, but then he came back against Holland and scored, and that's that's at the end of the day, and that's what matters to a lot of uh, obviously a lot of fans. And and being at the game at the time, there was no animosity in the crowd to Costa whatsoever. Really, there was you know you might get a few grumbles from the from the minority, but the majority were fully behind him, shouting his name throughout the game and also shouting Antonio's name throughout the game as well so that's they had a, a, a love for both of them for what they're doing and I think as you say Conte managed the situation not absolutely perfectly as Kev set, rightly said if they've been losing could be a completely different situation but the fact is he, he dealt with it perfectly it seems to be brushed under the rug you know and Costa will no doubt go on and you know, win, win Chelsea the title
1: and... just to wrap things up lads because sadly we are running out of time but we'll, we'll look ahead to Burnley this weekend, as you've alluded to, it's not going to be a walk in the park, they've obviously got a great record at home, not only in terms of their wins but goals they've scored, they're not letting an awful lot in you look at the teams that have won there, so Arsenal went there and won 1-0 um, try, trying to think off the top of my head who else has gone there, City 1-2-1 have all been very closely fought games
0: yeah, I, assume, I saw I stat today that uh, Tom Heaton has the most saves of any keeper in the top five leagues. He's got over a hundred, and the next closest is uh, on eighty-three or something. Mm. Yeah, like it's how
1: how how do you see it going, Lance? Like, do you do, do you think do you think Chelsea will just go there and, and lay down yet another marker and say this is it? We are we are gonna, we are champions elect. Or do you think it'll be a, a, a big test? of?
2: I think it'll be a very big test. I, I, I think they'll win. I, I mean, the way they're playing and the confidence they've got, obviously, at the moment, I do think they will go there and win. But there's no doubt that Burnley are going to put up a hell of a fight. Um, they, This is a record, obviously, they want to keep. They don't want to be turned over at their, their own. And it's the only thing that's keeping Burnley up as well. I mean, their away form is so poor. What, one point is it throughout the whole season? Yeah. I mean it's so bad that they have to keep winning at home or have to keep picking up points at home otherwise they could still go down I don't think they will from the position they're in at the moment because because of their home form so it's definitely not going to be a walk in the park I do think Chelsea will edge it I'm going to go with 2-1 I think to Chelsea but it's definitely not going to be a walk in the park for them I can't, I can't imagine it will be on Sunday Do you have a prediction?
0: Um, I'm going to go for 2-0 I don't think it's going to be easy but I think that 2-0 Burnley yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry 0-2 <laughs> uh, no I think Chelsea will win um, Burnley have a very good home record but they don't have Diego Costa or Eden Hazard or any of these players Chelsea should be winning these games and these are the championship games these are the ones that you have to win um, no I, I expect Chelsea to win and um, can I get some credit for getting last week right
1: yes you yeah, can you said Jordan, yeah, yeah absolutely it's I like, think you are one of very few people on the football.london podcast collectively who's managed to get one right I'll um, <laughs> we'll gloss over that well, I well, will we'll just score again. I'll just um, go for again I think it, I've, I'm kind of siding a bit more with you Ollie I do think it's going to be really tight but I think one moment of attacking quality is all that all that's needed. I can't see Burnley causing much of an attacking threat. I think you those three centre halves are probably the best to best equipped to deal with, you know, high balls into the area, that kind of thing. I think it could be a, a piece of cost of brilliance or a piece of hazard brilliance and, and one nil, thank you very much. And back on the motorway back down to back down to Cobbham and and, uh, and yeah, that's um I think one nil. I think they'll just about, just about keep this winning run going and co- continue to coast towards the title. But I'm prepared to be told that I'm completely <laughs> wrong given my <laughs> other predictions. I think I said 2-1 last week. I, might well, I one. went 3-1 well, Chelsea, so let's not, uh,
2: let's let's not talk two, about that. I said 2-1. I meant 3-1 Arsenal, is that, that's what I meant last week. <laughs> uh, I, meant three, I was thinking a game ahead, that's the problem.
1: Um, but that just about wraps up our latest Chelsea Blue is the Colour podcast um, just say goodbye to everyone around the table so thank you very much to our Chelsea writer Wally Harbord thank you very much thank you very much to Kev our digital features and transfers editor I will get that right at some <laughs> point <laughs> thank you very much and that was my pen on the floor and <laughs> I am Tom Marshall Bailey Tom Marshall Bailey the editor for football.london and um, Please make sure you come to the website www.football.london for all your latest Chelsea news. Uh, And we're also on Twitter and Facebook too. So if you give us a a follow and a like, I'd be very much appreciated. Thank you and until the same time next week, goodbye.